Great to see you all here this morning. Uh, if you have uh, a Bible with you, uh, if you want to find uh, the book of Acts, uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry, the words will appear as if on magic on the screen in a moment or two. We've been working through the book of Acts, just started that at the start of this year. Before we get into that, I've got another uh, announcement uh, for us. Uh, as a church, that on the 13th of March, which is exactly a month today, uh, we are going to appoint some elders in this church. Uh, appointing elders is a, a biblical practice that you see happen if you read through, well, as we get later on in the book of Acts, we discover it, but also in letters like Paul's letter to Timothy and Titus and other places. Um, uh, and elders, what they're supposed to do are, they're supposed to care for the church uh, as fathers in the church, bringing a, a care and a, a covering, a sense of oversight to the church, but never to control. We have lots of other leaders in the life of the church. Uh, the churches need fathers, churches need mothers as well, and lots of other people who serve in lots of different ways. But the Bible does talk about appointing elders and having a moment where actually the church gathers together and prays for them. So that's what we're going to do on the 13th of March. We're going to appoint four guys, myself, uh, Dan Plagerson, uh, there you can see their beautiful faces and their wives on the screen, uh, Michiel de Jong and Ludo Mace. So we want you to all be involved in this, and there are a couple of different ways you could be involved. First of all, come and join us on the 13th of March. Uh, and in the build-up to that day, uh, it's a Sunday, by the way, so it'll just be here as a normal Sunday morning, is just pray for us. It's a big moment for us as a church, because in a sense, it's a moment of us growing up. Uh, we started this church eight years ago with just a few of us, and God's blessed us and been faithful to us. So this is an important moment of us growing up as a church. So pray for us. Pray for God's blessing. Pray even that God would speak to us. Uh, as leaders and as a whole church about his plan for this community. And also as well, another way to get involved is uh, appointing a team of elders is something that we do as a community together. So you can read about the qualifications for an elder, what they're supposed to be like in uh, uh, the book of First Timothy and also the book of Titus. So have a read through those different qualifications. And you th if you think any of those guys, you've got any questions about whether or not they fit into that, please come talk to us. <laughs> it's an important uh, role for us all to play as well. Okay, so let's get into the book of Acts. Um, as we were talking about a few weeks ago and last week, uh, we've called this series... Um, uh, the world upside down or turning the world upside down which is what happens later on in the book of Acts I won't retell that story again but last week we were talking about what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and filled the church with the power of God and we were we spent a little bit of time looking at Peter, who's one of Jesus' apostles, his response to the crowd. He gives this message where he tries to explain what's going on. And we're going to look at the second half of that today. Because what happens in this moment on this day of Pentecost is this process of God, in a sense, turn the world upside down. This is the beginning point. This is the trigger moment, which goes from at the start of the chapter, you find these just few believers huddled together in this room, hiding away, praying, seeking God. And the Holy Spirit comes and something changes. God starts a movement of 
his people, a movement of the gospel that spreads uh, over the next 30 years as we go through this story, we'll discover, spreads all around the Middle East, around the Mediterranean to places like Greece, Turkey and Italy, uh, Egypt, lots of other places we'll read about in this story. But then over the next 2,000 years, this gospel movement has spread all over the world. That there are now billions of Christians alive today worshiping Jesus. That something happens here. This movement starts, it spreads everywhere. And that's the question we're going to look at today is how to start a movement of God. Because not only are we part of this grand movement that has sweeped around the earth over the last 2,000 years, but I want to believe that God can start a fresh move of his power to reach the city in which God's called us to. Or even that we might even be able to pray with faith individually that God would start a fresh move of him. Or maybe even for you for the first time that you would know God moving in your life a movement of his power in your heart to draw you closer to him. So I'm going to read the passage. We're going to read from verse 22 of Acts chapter 2. It says this, Men of Israel, hear these words. This is Peter speaking. He's continuing his message that we started to look at last week. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. And God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced my flesh also will, will dwell in hope if you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried. His tomb is with us to this day. Being there for a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, the great crowd who were listening, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
for the promises for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let me pray. Jesus, we want to come to you today, and uh, each one of us, wherever we feel we're at with our walk with you, maybe we wouldn't even call ourselves Christians. No matter what week, what day, what morning we've had so far, we just want to come and humbly ask that, Holy Spirit, you would come and start a movement in each one of our hearts today, that you would start something new within each of us, that as we look around this world and we hope for uh, this corona season to be over and we wonder about what is next for us, we just pray that you would put a, a hunger and a desire in our heart for more of you. And that would supersede, that would be greater and larger than any other desire. You would put a hunger in us for more of God, more of your spirit. And we pray even right now as we here this morning that your spirit would fall on each of us afresh maybe even for the first time that you'd help people here including myself to encounter you and your love for us amen amen so we're going to try and answer this question this morning of of uh, how to start a movement or how the moves of god happen and the first point i wanted to make how the moves of god happen will they trust in the power of God. They trust in the power of God. Because perhaps the best way to answer that question is, how do you start a move of God? Well, the answer is that you don't. <laughs> you don't. Because none of us are God. You know, quite obviously, how can we start a movement of God? That's something that God initiates, that God does. You see, even when we read this Pentecost story, we can sometimes dream and hope, God, would you give us another Pentecost? But in many ways, that's misunderstanding the passage that Pentecost is this one-time, unrepeatable event that this new era has begun. God's power has come on his church, the people, for it to spread through history for all time. It's not just a, a moment in history that then ceased and ended, but God's power continues to work, that he started something new. This, his new recreative power has spread into his people, which is what we were talking about last week. But we can still hunger for more. We can still hunger for God to move in a way similar to this again. You only have to read into Acts chapter four, just two more chapters on, where this crowd of people, this little church, they're gathered again. We're gonna read about it in a few weeks' time that Peter and John have been hauled before the religious leaders. They've been told off. They've been told that if they carry on doing this, that trouble is going to come. They're going to get thrown into prison. Maybe even what happened to Jesus is going to happen to them. Maybe they'll be crucified. They're terrified of what's going to happen. So they gather together and they pray and the Holy Spirit comes on them again in power. It happens again and again through this book. The Holy Spirit keeps on coming on his people. So we can hunger for it again. But any move of God... It only ever starts with God. Because if you read through this passage through Acts chapter 2, 
you find God's fingerprints are all over it. In Peter's message, he's saying that it was through God that mighty signs and works happened through the life of Jesus. That Jesus was delivered a cup according to the definite plan, the foreknowledge of God. That God raised him up. That God loosed him from the pangs of death. And it goes on and on and on of all the things that God did through the life of Jesus to bring about his sovereign plan. You see, perhaps the best way to think about this is um, the Greeks built a musical device called the Aeolian harp or the wind harp. Um, you might have seen them. Uh, people sometimes build them as sculptures or you can have little mini ones that you fit in your window. Or people might have, it's a little bit different, people have like wind chimes. Our neighbours have got some in their garden. They're very annoying. But it's the Aeolian harp is a musical instrument that you can't play. <laughs> you just, you put it out and the wind plays it. Because the wind blows through the strings and causes them to vibrate and to play all sorts of, uh, in a sense, accidental tunes. And I mention that because the, the Dutch theologian, the former prime minister, Abraham Cowper, talks about, uses an example of how God sends his power to work amongst us. That we can, in a sense, we can set out our harp, we can come and pray, we can ask God to move, but it's only on his initiative that his power comes which is what happens in the, in the book of Acts. They're there, Jesus has told them to wait. So they're there, they're waiting for this promise of the Father that's going to come. They're praying, they're seeking God, and then suddenly God moves. And I think that's what we as a church can do in this city, is that we can, in a sense, set out our harp, is that we can pray and seek and ask God to move. Ask for him to move in his power. How do moves of God happen? Will they trust in the power of God to act? Number two, how do moves of God happen? Will they keep Jesus at the center? Jesus remains at the center of the story. See, because what Peter's doing in this message, he's delivering to this crowd that have gathered on this day, he's explaining the significance of what's happened, explaining why this pouring out the Holy Spirit is important, and he does it by tracing it all back to Jesus. He traces it all back to him. That's what he's doing in this passage that we've just read. He opens up who Jesus is. He goes to the Psalms, he goes to the Old Testament uh, from the words of David and says what David was doing, he was pointing to this Messiah, this one that was going to come, this Jesus. And the Holy Spirit falling on them is just evidence that Jesus is alive. That his resurrection was real. It's evidence to us today that Jesus is alive, that he's seeking to work. You see, because this is just what the Holy Spirit does. That when the Holy Spirit comes, it talks about in John 15, uh, uh, where the Holy Spirit is described as a helper. And Jesus says, when the helper comes to you, he will bear witness about me. That's what the Holy Spirit comes. He arrives in our hearts and he points to Jesus. And we read a passage from the verse from the book of Romans that will help us here. It says, God's love 
has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's poured out into your heart to reveal to each one of us the love of Jesus. The reformer John Calvin put it like this, the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts and he operates so that we can feel the virtue of Christ. The Holy Spirit arrives in you so that you can feel. <laughs> you not just know God in a theoretical sense, not just know him as an, as an idea, as a concept, as a worldview, but to, not, to feel him, to know his love, to experience God. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he arrives in your life. And some of you might think, well, I'm not sure I feel God. And others of you, you may feel like you're on this constant adventure of experiencing God. And we all will experience God in different ways. Don't look at how other people do and try and copy it. But ask for the Holy Spirit to come in your life. When he comes to start this movement that I'm talking about, ask it to be a movement that just makes much of Jesus. Because in Christian circles, sometimes we can get excited when we see moves of God working but sometimes we need to leave perhaps a little bit just wary of movements of God that don't have Jesus at the center, where it becomes about a person, becomes about a man or a mission or a plan or something other than Jesus. I would suggest we ask questions about it and seek to see Jesus at the center of it. Number three, they see the world with new eyes, you see, when the Holy Spirit starts a movement in your heart, when he begins to help you to experience and to know the love of God, the love of Jesus for us, you'll begin to see Jesus in a new way. That's what happens when you become a follower of him. In the Bible, in different places, it's called the new birth or God making us new creations. He'll start something new within you. He'll begin to, and not everything will change overnight, but he'll begin to slowly sort of reinvent you, to slowly remake you from the inside out. And that's what Peter's calling to them to, to do here. He says at the end of the passage, he suggests to them in verse 40, it says, save yourselves from this crooked generation which might sound rather harsh language, but what he's calling them to do is to move from a faithlessness to being faithful to God. He's saying the Holy Spirit has come now and he's opened your eyes. You don't need to live like that anymore. There's a new, better way to live. In 2 Corinthians 4, it talks about the minds of unbelievers, people who don't know Jesus, are, are blinded to the gospel. They can't see it. But then in Ephesians 1, it says, Paul prays for them there. He says, having the hearts, the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he is called. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes in your life? He gives you like new eyes. He opens up the eyes of your heart to see Jesus in a new way. And to change you to change you 
when we believe for a movement of God in our lives or a movement of God in this city, we're not asking for, it's a dangerous prayer to pray. (laughs) Because we're not asking for something superficial. Becoming a Christian isn't just like joining a new club a new experience, a new, a new something you do on a Sunday morning. You know, I'll go to the gym and uh, I'll stop going to the gym now, I'll go to church instead. It's not the same thing. We're asking for God to change us, to become more like him. But when we, when we want that to happen, if maybe you want change in your life, I know I do in my own life, Or maybe you want change in other people's lives. People around you, you see that they're hurting, that they're they're broken, that there's pain, and you want to see God change them. Or maybe you look out at this city and you just think, I just want God to change this city. There's so much that we love about this city, but there's so much brokenness. God, would you move? But you see, any change that happens is... Don't focus on the behavior. <laughs> That's often what we do. We, we like to fix things. We like to come up with plans and solutions. But what God does is he doesn't start with your behaviors. He starts with your heart. He'll, he'll come and do a work in here that will change you. And even as Christians, we can get caught up in the, what, what practices can I do? I need to read more of my Bible. I need to pray more. I need to come to church more. I need to go to my community group. I need to do all these things. And they're all good. They're all important. But it's, it's not, not the heart of it. It really isn't. Being a Christian isn't about doing things. It's not about even even some of the best there's so many books and there's so many podcasts you could listen to about Christian practices but you can get caught up in what essentially is just a new way of legalism it could be hip and trendy and cool but it's just things that you have to do being a Christian isn't about doing things it's about knowing someone (laughs) knowing the person of Jesus Christ is your friend is your saviour is the lover of your souls it's about calling you into a relationship with him that will little by little change you by his spirit that's what happens when you encounter God you begin to see the world with new eyes you you want to live differently you want to do things differently because the Holy Spirit has put different desires within you See, because what happens is that they respond in faith. That's what repentance is, where they say to Peter, well, what can we do? And he says, repent. We often talk about repentance as a, as a turning around, which it is. It is a, a changing behavior of a living a new way, going in a new direction. But first of all, it's about embracing a new understanding. It is about seeing the world with new ideas with new eyes see because any any move of God that will happen in your life it it does begin with repentance but it doesn't begin with living your life better it will it will it will begin with humility it will begin just on your knees just expressing your dependence upon God 
You know, the, this, the best place to see the world from is just on your knees before God. You get the best view from there. Because when you submit your heart to Jesus, not my will, but your will, Jesus, I don't, I don't want to live for my own ambitions and desires anymore. I, I don't want to conform this word to myself. I want to open up all of my life that you would have your way and your will. When you open yourself up with complete, complete humility to God, that's what it is to respond in faith. That's what it is to walk in repentance to, with him. And any... If you read through history of all the movements of revival, Christians sometimes call them, of movements where God suddenly works in power, and even here in this story, they all begin with a sense of the, the Holy Spirit brings holiness. It's, it's in his name. He suddenly just moves in a holy power within us and all of a sudden we don't want to live that way anymore that we're, we're the holiness of God comes upon us and helps us to seek him in repentance to seek him in change for our life and obviously part of that is point number five is that they pray <laughs> they pray that's where moves of God happen by people praying, seeking him. It happens here in Acts chapter two. It happens again in Acts chapter four. Again and again through history, we see people praying and God moving. The, everything we wanna see happen in this city, the, the, anything you wanna see happen in your life or in the lives of your family and your friends, pray for it. Ask God for it. I could tell you so many stories of our eight years of starting this church here. And then again and again, it's just, we've, we've always tried to not just start things, but continue things in, in prayer. That's the best way to go about mission. There's some of us here will be activists, will wanna go and do something. The best thing you can do is to pray. It really is. <laughs> That's how, because when you pray, you say, God, I can't do this, but you can. Would you move? If we think we can convert anyone to Christianity, we've completely misunderstood what happens. It's a miracle. It's a gift of God that comes into people's hearts. Only Jesus can do that. Only God can start a movement. So pray and ask him for it. When Gavin was telling us about what we're going to do on the 2nd of March or the 3rd of March or the day in March, 2nd, when we gather here to worship and pray, it's because we want to encounter and experience God, but we also want this city to encounter and experience God. And the only way that will happen is if the church prays and seeks him. Okay, I need to rush on. Number six, they find joy in the Holy Spirit. It's another hallmark of a move of God is that joy comes. In the psalm that Peter quotes from, this psalm of David, Psalm 16, it finishes with him saying, you have made known to me the paths of life. You'll make me full of gladness with your presence. I think what Peter's doing is he's dropping a little hint in here. 
of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us is that joy comes. And there's so much we could say about this subject of joy, which we don't have time for this morning, but a couple of things to say is, first of all, when joy comes, it, it never comes in it never comes in isolation of what's happening in your life. It never ignores reality. Because the reality of our lives will often, we won't feel, being a Christian doesn't mean you'll feel happy all the time. It doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to you. They, they do. Being a Christian isn't about suddenly life becoming like a sort of a Hollywood movie and everything's perfect. But being a Christian means that God's with us through all the trials and ups and downs of life. And it means whatever's going on, you can still experience the joy of God. Still experience his love. The great writer John Owen, he puts it like this. This Holy Spirit secretly infuses and distills his joy into our souls, prevailing against all fears and sorrows, filling us with gladness, exaltations, and sometimes with unspeakable raptures of mind. When the Holy Spirit falls on you, when he works in your life, he'll just put like a, like a seed of joy there in your heart. And you can call upon it. You can say, God, I just, I've got this tough situation coming up. I don't, I, but I don't want it to, I want to know your joy through it. Because that's, in a sense, that's what our hearts are hardwired to do. We're always trying to find joy somewhere. We're always trying to seek it out in some place. And the best place to find it is in the love and power of Jesus Christ. And when you begin to do that, again, that's how you'll begin to change. John Owen also said, he said, one moment's communion with Christ is more effectual to the purging of the soul, to the increasing of grace, than the utmost self-endeavors of a thousand angels. It's really important you hear that. Let me say that again. One, mo one moment's communion with Christ, I know this is slightly old language, spending one second experiencing the joy of God, one second just coming in your heart to meet Jesus is more effectual to the purging of the soul, is more effective in changing you than the utmost self-endeavors of a thousand ages. Because that's what, what we'll want to do is we we'll want to do things. We we'll want to make changes. We we'll want to, what's my new life plan? What are my goals for you? What can I do? All these different self endeavors, all these things we want to do, we put in place. But the reality is, if you want to see a movement of God in your life, just come to him. Just ask him for it. Number seven, finally, there they're infected with resurrection hope. You see, because at, at the heart of Peter's message here, what he's trying to communicate to this audience, who are all, they're all Jews, 
the Israelites that had been seeking and longing for this Messiah, this Messiah, this Savior, this rescuer who's going to come. And what Peter's trying to say to them in saying to them, no, no, Jesus is the Messiah. He's come. This Holy Spirit proves it. What he's saying to them is God's kept his promises. God's kept his promises to you. Everything he said he was going to do, he's done. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten you. And that message still rings true in our lives today. But we can walk out of here this morning with, with just a deep hope in our hearts. Because we, we know that the resurrection was real, that it happened. We know that he poured out his spirit on his people. We know we can know his spirit on us today. And when God comes to dwell in our hearts, he just reminds us again and again that he keeps his promises. Maybe you're feeling forgotten or abandoned, even by God. You look at your life and how things have turned out and you think, God, where are you in this? His message to you this morning is he hasn't forgotten you. He wants you to experience his love and his hope and to build your life on that. And he asks us to respond in a really simple way as he says this. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us now. Joe's going to come and lead us in some songs of worship. Why don't you just stand to your feet if you're comfortable to do that. Jesus, we all just want to we want to confess to you this morning that we, we want to see a, a movement of God in our hearts afresh. We want to see a movement of your power and love in this city afresh. But we know that we can't start it. <laughs> but we want to set out our, our, our wind harp. <laughs> and we want to put it out there. We want to repent. We want to see the world differently now. We want, to, we want to ask for your spirit to come to us, to begin to change us. We pray that would happen because we just suddenly, even now, as we pray, as we worship, that we would just experience the love of Jesus afresh, that we would know that we're forgiven, that we know that we're loved eternally that we know that you've, you've not abandoned us, that you've kept your promises to us, that we can have hope, and we can know joy today. And just pray, Holy Spirit, right now, just as we sing, as we worship, that you just come and fill us afresh. Just come and pour the love of Jesus into our hearts again. And help. We want that to be the thing that starts of movement in our lives and in this city is being a people of God that by the power of the Holy Spirit we know your love thank you God Amen